Hi, Michael Benner, and for Steve Snyder, we want you to know that we're really happy to be able to provide, free of charge, the following excerpt from our fascinating podcast, Finding Yourself in Paradise. Remember, by not subscribing and not receiving the entire 50 to 55-minute program, you're missing out on the meditation exercise. Why don't you go to FocusedPassion.com right now and subscribe with your ATM card, your debit credit check card for 99 cents a week, billed monthly. FocusedPassion.com. Remember the ED, FocusedPassion.com, and be sure and tell your friends. Here comes this week's excerpt on the myth of multitasking. It's, it's not what you want as your lifestyle, and it's inappropriate in the moments that matter the most. You know, we talked about in the corporate world, and that's a challenging place. Say that again. That's deep. It's inappropriate in the situations that matter the most. Right. Fight or flight. Multi- multitasking. A the situations that matter yeah. the most are not the ones that are in which we're in some grave danger, you're saying. Right. How but, often has that happened? Almost never. Yeah, I mean, on the freeway. Yeah, you know, that's that, about yeah. It. But no, the, the times that matter the most, the times when you have to make the most important decisions or when you have to have the most important conversations or you have to uh, figure out your your next move or your philosophy or goal setting, you don't want those times to be invaded by other thoughts. You want to give it your all in those times. Multitasking is necessary sometimes, but never as a lifestyle and certainly never in those moments when you need to the most. We talked about the corporate world as a setting, and that's a challenging place uh, because there's lots of stuff. But there is, I think, a more challenging setting to not be a multitasker. And that's why it's important to explain the process, and that's being a stay-at-home parent. There's just too much going on to do only one task and then another task and then another task if you're a stay, especially if they have more than one kid going on. But nonetheless, you can multitask the tasks that have to go on during the day. But you don't want to multitask the decisions about your children's education. You don't want to multitask the discipline that this child particularly needs right now or the moment of loving and caring that this child needs right now. You still have to prioritize. Yes. You, you do have to do a lot of multitasking if you're a stay-at-home parent. But the most important moments with that child or those children need to be a give-it-your-all thing. And also, the child needs to learn how to focus not on television but on you. You know, that's the place you want to teach your child how to pay attention, you know. And that means that you have to pay attention to the child when the child's in a pay-attention-to-you mode. And it's really on, on the child to decide when to pay attention more than you. You can't make somebody pay attention. You can entice them, but you can't make them. But when the child's paying attention, you, you, you pay attention to them. It's, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging to parent. It's the most difficult job in the world. But, but and even though you can't avoid multitasking in parenting, the importantest moments... <laughs> You, you need to make sure you're giving it your all. Well, I think this is really important stuff. Uh, an image that came to my mind as you were speaking just then was a magnifying glass. You know, I could go out on a, on a uh, warm day like this. It's probably, what, 75 or 76, something like that right now here. And I could go out with uh, a little magnifying glass and by adjusting it up and down, I could find a point of focus where those rays of sun across maybe just a little four-inch magnifying glass, if brought to a focus to a point, would be enough heat to light paper on fire. Remember we did that yeah. as kids? Did you yeah. do that as a kid? I did do that. Only paper, though. I had yeah. neighbors that did it with little tiny crawling <laughs> creatures. I didn't. I did it with paper. 
So uh, that's a nice allegory. Even a flashlight. Most flashlights have that yeah, focus yeah. where you go from the broad beam, the floodlight, to the spotlight. Imagine going further to the laser beam. Yeah. So sometimes we need a floodlight. Sometimes we need to multitask and be able to handle many Wide things. awake yeah. to narrow awake. It's appropriateness, yes. isn't it? We well, need to be narrow awake sometimes. Why don't you develop that a little bit? Narrow awake. Then we'll do our audio. Yeah. Thing. The idea of taking an awake state. You know, you're not sleepy at all, but you narrow your attention down to only one thing. Because that's the most powerful state there is. The state of focused concentration, amplified passion and interest. We call it focused passion. Right. We call it paradise. That's it. But that's the place. And, and there's two things you need to do to avoid multitasking as a lifestyle. Two very simple processes. And they go like this. Number one, whenever you have a negative thought or a negative feeling, which is good. You want to have all kinds of thoughts and feelings. Whenever you have a negative thought or negative feeling, which in the past would have caused you to tighten your muscles and hold your breath, you know, scares you or, or makes you angry or whatever. Now, when you have a negative thought or a negative feeling, go <sighs> release your breath and let go of your muscle tension. Let that, that sigh of relief thing and drop your shoulders and just... When you have a negative thought, it's good. You want to have a negative thought. Just release with, with the thought in mind, boy, I'm glad I got this out of my system. Steve, this is important. This People talk about relaxation exercises in response to stress, but often what we're not told is even in the moment, if you just have this one isolated, scary thought or this one particular Feeling of dread. Yeah, you're walking down the stairs and in your mind all of a sudden you picture falling. So you go... <sighs> Even if it's less specific, what if it's just non-specific this anxiety? Something bad's going to happen. Foreboding. A sense just, of foreboding, yeah. Just fear. Maybe you've been stressed so long. Yeah. You've been busting your butt trying to... A lot of folks are having a tough time right now. And it's causing them to hold their breath and tighten their muscles. And it makes it even worse. So it's real important to, whenever you have a negative thought, whenever it occurs to you that you're tense, <sighs> release your muscle tension, let go of your breath. That's, that deals with the acute cause of stress. The acute cause of stress in your life is the way you react to your negative thoughts. Not your negative thoughts. The way you react by tightening your muscles and holding your breath. The way you react to your negative thoughts. That's the primary cause of acute cause of stress in your life. Now, the primary chronic cause of stress in your life is life. It's, it's deadlines, it's traffic, it's people, it's stuff, it's, 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 it's overwhelm. It's the stuff we've been talking about. And although you can't, you know, you can't live a life without that. Oh, well, you could move to Maui like we have, but you really can't live a life without that stuff. What you can do is add to your stressful life a stress release component by going to paradise, by using paradise as a vacation several times a day. Close your eyes, take a few minutes, literally just a few minutes, a couple few minutes to go to paradise in your mind, to this peaceful, tranquil, beautiful, safe, safe, safe place. And just in a few minutes... You let go of the accumulated stress since the last time you did this for a few minutes. So regularly you use this as like the pressure release valve, you know, like the, the hole in the top of the tea kettle of life. So regularly, several times a day for a few minutes. And if you don't have a few minutes, a minute. And if you don't have a minute, 20 seconds. But, but several times a day, go to your paradise place and use that as a way to deal with the chronic buildup of stress in your life. 
It's what the best athletes do. You see it in every sport. You're watching oh, yeah. them. What do they, they do? They shake it off. They they kick the, the kick boots. Kick it in a yeah. and then yeah. they hit. Bouncing the ball five times. Yeah. You know? yeah. All yeah. that's about releasing stress. Exactly. Setting up a ritual to release the stress. Because tight muscles are not powerful or coordinated. Exactly. And tight minds are not powerful or coordinated either. That's the allegory we're talking about. I have uh, an aunt, my mother's youngest sister, who's a... Uh, Juilliard trained uh, classical pianist and she is advanced in years now and yet still teaches and in speaking with her the other day she said oh I learned this new technique from this master uh, piano player I forget somebody who she really admires and and I thought you know uh, my uh, my aunt learned a new technique she's in her late 70s and is taught and Juilliard trained and what could it possibly be and it was students as they play scales and arpeggios tend as they move up to gain muscular tension the wrist gets tighter as they play tighter more and, and more. tighter as they anticipate what's going to happen at the end the okay. tension just builds and so the secret is on the uh, on the downbeat of every measure on every four beat you will, you drop the wrist. Oh, just let the tension go. Yeah, just cool. let it go. Right? Cool. And of course, in sports psychology, uh, we work a lot with breathing, and it's yeah. amazing how many athletes hold their breath throughout the whole, like a pitcher, for example. Let's say he's got a guy on base, so he does a half stretch, right? So he does half a wind up, and then pauses, and then throws the ball. And then exhales from 30 seconds ago. He yeah. held his Not the breath. great ones, though. They don't do that. The great ones either figured this out on their own, uh, maybe lucked into it, or had someone like you or me who knew Absolutely. sports psychology. The greatest quote of all time about multitasking in sports was from the greatest quotable quoter, Yogi Berra, who said, somebody said, Yogi, what do you think about when you hit the baseball? And Yogi said, I can't think and hit the baseball at the same time. That's right. I think it's Ted Williams that had a variation on that. He said, if I can see the threads of the ball, I can hit it out of the park. Yeah, well, of course, he had phenomenal vision. He was a pilot with 2015 vision. But I think he just thought he was seeing the uh, Could be, but he maybe. That's an amazing task to hit a round ball with a round bat. It's supposed to be the hardest thing in all sports. I think, yeah. I think that's true. So... We've been talking about the myth of multitasking, the idea that somehow your performance and your productivity, your value to other people in a variety of situations at home and at work and wherever you happen to be, that somehow you're going to be better and have more to offer if you do more at the same time. And there's a certain logic in, well, if I do this while I do this, but we have to remember that quality is an issue here. There's opportunities missed, there's oversights, and there's mistakes when we allow our attention to be divided. And sometimes it's a matter of degree, right? You, you understand, it's a matter of degree. Sometimes a little multitasking and being a little bit scattered maybe is in your best interest. But usually it's appropriate only in situations of real danger. What Steve's been talking about with me today are the vast majority of situations where there's no real danger, you may be overstimulated, but it's about confusion, not about any real danger. Yeah, well, sometimes folk wisdom says it all, a stitch in time saves nine, you know? I mean, if you go and multitask, if you're dividing your attention, you're more likely to make a mistake. That just 
is obvious, right? I mean, if you're giving it your all, you're less likely to miss something. If you're not giving it your all, you're more likely to make a mistake. If you make a mistake, you end up having to do it over again, and that takes longer than it would have taken if you did it right the first time. So we're not saying no multitasking by any means, but we're saying it's not natural. It's normal. It's normal. It's what people do, but it's not natural. It's not the way human beings lived most of the time we were on Earth. You know, most of the time we were on Earth, uninspired people spent most of their life in boredom, punctuated by moments of high anxiety, and and inspired people spent most of their life in fascination, punctuated by moments of high anxiety. But this multitasking thing was was for danger. Now we use it just to get by. And maybe a little bit, but what we're suggesting is certainly not as a lifestyle, and never when it matters the most. I was just thinking if I, you talked about single parenting a minute ago, but I like to reprise it because... Well, stay-at-home parenting, but yeah. Yeah, uh, that's what I meant, yeah, thanks. And uh, I was thinking if I had, let's say, four or five or six kids at home, and they were all yelling at me at the same time, that it would just be obvious that I would have to reassert some sort of control and say, now, one at a time, I can't help any of you. If you don't help me do this one at a time, it is such common sense. And yet, again, I think there's a temptation of some sort, not productive or constructive, some sort of uh, a temptation uh, to feel helpless and victimized and try to find some benefit. Maybe it is that sense of self-importance in being just so busy and look at all I can accomplish. And again, we got to say that's an illusion. It's got to be. I mean, all these time-saving devices are giving us less and less time. It's it's obviously an illusion. There's the same number of minutes in a day as there always yeah. were, but people feel much more rushed today than they did a long time Where ago. Where is the evidence that we're getting so much done? Really? I remember 20 years ago, uh, in the computer revolution, they were talking about the paperless office. Because everything would be yeah. digitized. Well, everything is digitized, and we have more paper than ever before. Yeah. So wrong on that one, too. I, I've just moved, and so I have a real sense of all the stuff that I've collected. Nothing does that like moving, that's for sure. Boy, and it's, uh, you know, it passed several cuts and then finally didn't make the last cut. But in the same way, we tend to accumulate, I think, ideas and beliefs And, you know, a lot of the clutter that we call multitasking or being easily distracted is so totally irrelevant because it's calls to the past or to the future. We've talked about this in other podcasts that, uh, you know, there's there's, uh, regrets and resentments in the past. There's nonspecific fears about the future. But the only thing that's real, your point of power is now that's the only time you can make a choice is now you've never never ever made a choice that wasn't made right now okay so if all this other stuff is irrelevant because it's just a story from the past or a phantasm from the future most of this multitasking again is just an illusion just because your mind is scattered doesn't mean you're getting a lot you know it's like a rocking chair you can do a lot of work, a lot of rocking, but when you're done, you stand up and you're right where you started. You didn't really, really get any place at all. So, want to do that audio journey? Yeah, we're going to get some place at all. Okay. Take them on an audio journey. This is always one of our favorite parts of every show, of course, where we get to guide you into actually experiencing what we've been philosophically talking about.